The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Your host is Rochelle McLaughlin. It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. Now, here's your host, Rochelle McLaughlin. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and Happy New Year, everyone, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It is such a gift of my life that I get to be here with you each week and connect with you in the way that I do. Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio is here to support us all on the journey to learn to integrate new ways of being, ways of perceiving, ways of doing and acting in the world and in our lives that are life-affirming, that are deep, healing, nourishing, and integral and conducive to our individual and collective health and wellness with the intention that we begin to experience revolutionary wellness for ourselves by being inspired, moved, motivated, and supported by the topics and the passionate work of our guests on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio each week. Because when you feel well, you will bring that wellness into the world. You will become the change you wish to see in the world, and you will help co-create and reimagine a future for humanity and all beings that our hearts know is possible. And I am elated to have this opportunity to talk to, to be moved, motivated, supported, and inspired by the passionate life and work of Bio Akomolafe today as we explore the depth and meaning of his poetic words and impassioned work in this three-part series on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. If there ever was a time in this age of Trump and big oil where we would want to elevate and amplify the message of such an extraordinary human being as that of my guest today, Bio Akomolafe. This certainly would be it. So be sure to mark your calendars for the coming weeks as you will not want to miss an episode. And without greater ado, allow me to introduce Bio Akomolafe. Bio Akomolafe, PhD, is a profoundly moving author, an inspirational speaker, and walkout academic. Bio is globally recognized for his poetic, unconventional, counterintuitive take on global crises, civic action, and social change. He is the executive director and initiating, coordinating curator for the Emergence Network, a post-activist project and host of the online course, We Will Dance with Mountains. A young professor, lecturer of clinical psychology at Covenant University, Nigeria, and ethno-psychotherapeutic researcher, Bio hopes to inspire a diffractive network of sharing, 
a slowing down, an ethics of entanglement, an activism of inquiry, a politics of surprise, one that does not treat the crisis of our times as exterior to us or the solutions that conventional activism offers as separate from the problems that we seek to nullify. Bio is also special envoy for the International Alliance for Localization and is working to amplify local and critical alternative solutions to global crises today. Bio is a frequent keynote speaker and guest lecturer, and he has taught in university, Harvard University in the United States, Simon Fraser University in Vancouver, Schumacher College in England, among other contexts, creating interdisciplinary courses that cut across some of his key interests, which are indigenous identity, theoretical physics, and the intersections with feminism and agential realism, gift cultures, critical theory, sympoesis, psychedelics, and sacred activisms. Bio frequently writes essays that seek to compost the human and inspire a new politics of surprise that allows us to cultivate a new response abilities with a world that is vibrant and alive. Bio believes that the ordinary is what the extraordinary wants to become and is crafting a decolonized life with his life force, EJ, also a young walkout academic, and their unschooled daughter, Alethea. Bio is widely published and cited and is now composing his first solo book, These Wilds Beyond Our Fences, Letters to My Daughter on Humanity's Search for Home. You can connect with Bio, sign up on his mailing list, read his articles, and find out more about his work and his upcoming online course, We Will Dance with Mountains, at www.bioacomolafe.net. That's B-A-Y-O-A-K-O-M-O-L-A-F-E dot net and as well as emergencenetwork.org. Welcome, Bio. Thank you so much for being with us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It's great to be here, Rochelle. I was listening to you say all that and I thought to myself, that's a bit too much. (laughs) (laughs) This is a boring person. Oh my gosh, absolutely not, Bio. So wonderful. It's a blessing. Yeah, it's so I'm so grateful to have you. So, Bio, for those of our listeners who are meeting you here for the first time, if you can first speak to what brought you here to this point in your life, what informs your work, and what has had to come together to make your unique and beautiful and healing work possible. Hmm. Thank you, Rochelle. Um, so, and I should say this as well, that you pronounced my name beautifully. So that's, a, that's an A plus for you on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, my name means, uh, uh, bio means uh, I've met joy and Akamalaka means I've, I teach others the good life. I'm from the uh, western part of Nigeria, um, from the Yoruba people. And we have a we have a very very dynamic, carnal, fluid notion of how the world works, that was kind of elided or silenced by the advent of um, the dominant religious systems that rule all over over the planet today, Christianity and Islam. Um, um, 
but to talk about my story and what brings me here, I think the first, there's so many things to talk about, but the first, maybe the first entry point would be um, my faith and and the collapse of my faith, if you will. Um, so I grew up in a country that is heavily, um, you know, religious. Um, it's divided between the Christian South and the religious Islamic North. And where I grew up, no one asked questions. You just go to church every Sunday and do everything that the pastor on stage tells you to do. Uh, but I wanted to be the A student, if you will, in, on, in my faith. I wanted to outstrip everyone and get to heaven first. And so <laughs> I decided to really dive in and to take my faith to its poetic extremes, to do more than anyone else, to sit in front of the church and do stuff. Um, and like I shared with a friend recently, the more you do that kind of stuff, the more you come to the limits of of your own understanding or the world's understanding of what's happening. I started to ask questions that people started getting uncomfortable with, like what is what is the sinful nature? Or what does original sin, uh, sin really imply? Or what does it mean to be born with sin? And I was mostly silenced by saying, you know, they would say to me that the devil is tempting you, so just shut up. But I refused to shut up, and so I started to explore more. Eventually, and to cut the long story short, I ended up um, sitting at the feet of some Yoruba priests, some elders, some people that were branded as demonic messengers and agents. And I learned with them, if only for a brief time, just to ask them questions about the world that was missing. You know, I felt haunted by something, uh, there was a deep sense of loss that I know I don't speak my language. I just bear the name of my people, but I don't speak my language. I don't, I don't know anything about my indigenous cosmologies. I don't know anything about my people except, you know, what I surface level stuff. But are there wealthy, rich, and thick ways of knowing and being in the world that are mine, or where mine, or where my ancestors? that are no longer mine because of the world that I now participate in. And so I explore this and ask questions, um, sometime to my embarrassment. Um, and that took me to the incomprehensible, to sit with those tricksters. And I think that's a short story of how I came here today. That's why I sit with you um, here today, Rochelle. Um, <laughs> I'm, here because, I'm here because I don't know. I'm here because I've fallen apart. I'm here because truth is no longer enough. And I'm here because the real is still at stake. And the world is still being made. And somehow, I'm part of that participatory festival. Mm. Bio, you have been called a composer of words, a poet, philosopher, and a walkout academic that is opening up new kinds of hope and you are inviting new ways of thinking about and making sense of ourselves, our futures, and nature, as well as our disenchantments with politics as usual and the potential for living 
an abundant life in a modern world that feels often disconnected and depressing. Can you speak to how the title of our episode today, We Were Never Really Human, weaves itself into this opening of new levels of consciousness about reality itself and why this matters for our collective future? Right. Um, So there is, uh, let me tell you a story, a brief story about one of my encounters with these strange men. I remember one, um, I was asking a question and, you know, I came with my Western trained hubris. Like I'm, I'm an academic. I'm asking you the questions here. And I came with my own set of assumptions about how the world ought to work. And I think I was becoming too heady and he noticed it. And maybe I was becoming proud or I wasn't being sensitive to the context and he threatened this strange man that I was questioning, interviewing. He said, you know what, I'm just going to turn you into a goat. And he said it so matter-of-factly, like, I'm just going to turn you into a goat. (laughs) Now, I, I didn't exactly believe that I would literally turn into a goat. But what was more striking to me was the way he said it, like, it was just a normal thing to say. He wasn't even joking. He was really threatening and inviting me to consider that that was a real possibility. And I think it, that figures into um, many non-Western indigenous cosmologies and perspectives. And what is only beginning to slowly make its way into biological reckoning. And that's the idea that... Um, I would use the word of uh, the words of Donna Haraway and um, Bruno Latour um, to say we were never really human. He would say we're never really modern, but we're never really human. The boundaries between us and the non-human world are not as fixed and determinate and you know and stock as we would think they are. They're fluid and still in the making. And I think that's best exemplified with some studies that are now showing that we didn't evolve, so to speak. You know, the old notion is that we kind of um, evolved intact by competing with other species for space in a very teenage world that was still making itself known. But we're now learning that it wasn't just a single story of competition. There was a lot of cooperation. And in cooperating, we kind of melted into those species. In fact, I should even say we. That, uh, English doesn't do it justice. There's no language for the kind of entanglement that I'm speaking about. There were, there, the, where I stop and where the environment begins is now a matter that is left to the jury. I think that's how Americans say it, right? It, it's, it's, still, it's still out, out there. We, there's no way to firmly determine that this is what it means to be human because we're finding out every day in small ways, in, inspecting the microbial world, inspecting our own physiology, inspecting the environment and ecology and the melting boundaries between the with, between these supposed, supposed fields. We're finding out that we are, we are and have never been human. And that is maybe probably a very frightening place to be, but it's also our greatest source of hope. Because if, it, if we've never been human, 
or if what it means to be human, this is to be more specific, if what it means to be human is still at stake, and if we're ravishingly entangled with a non-human world, then there are other places of power that we can attune ourselves to, that we're probably not doing it, we're probably not doing so right now because our modernity shapes us and conditions us and subjectivizes us in particular ways. But if there are other places of power, maybe we could slow down, maybe we could tune our frequencies to those other places of power. Maybe there are other kinds of hopes that we have not even, we don't even have words for. Maybe there are Maybe in turning into a goat, there are ways of seeing the planet, there are ways of seeing the world that totally do away with our fixation with crises like climate change and poverty and ignorance and stuff like that. So uh, to say that we've never been human is to invite a notion that we are radically, a perf- we're radically performative. We are a performance of the world. We are not in the world. We are the world in its ongoing iterativity. Or we are the world in its ongoing becoming. And it does, it's just like a wave on the ocean. The wave is not in the ocean. The wave is the ocean. And so maybe this kind of thinking um, invites us to settle down, to slow down and look for what's missing. Mayo, it is time to take a short break, but before I go, I'd love to share a quote um, by you. You say, what if our senses of what is sacred changed? How would that inform our orientation in the world? What would happen to politics and economics if trees were consulted about landscape changes, if mountains were revered and acknowledged as beings more profound than tourist attractions, and if we recognized ourselves as part of a more spectacular parliament of things? I do not know but I suspect that a disruptive awakening awaits us at the end of our humanist modern projects, for it is probably the case that once we are no longer so preoccupied with being fully human, we become keenly so. My guest today is Bio Akomolafe. Bio hopes to help pioneer expeditions to the frontiers where interspecies and intercultural dialogue can happen, where we meet each, where we meet Earth others halfway. And his greatest work is, however, learning to orbit his life force, EJ, and their daughter, Alethea. And you can connect with Bio and sign up on his mailing list to get updates about his upcoming engagements. Enroll in his life-changing course, We Will Dance with Mountains, and read his recent works. And learn more at bioacomolafe.net. We will be right back with Bio Acomolafe. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. 
The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com If you have been experiencing addiction issues, be it drugs, alcohol, or something else, you know what it means to feel alone in the world. The Power to Create Yourself with host Ross Ramin is here to prove that you don't have to feel this way. There are others who have been there or are still there, and together we can sort out the truths and the lies in order to reveal the true essence of your character. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It is about being sensitive and open to the world. It is about listening to the murmurings of place, sitting with the unnamed, following shadows towards unsayable adventures, and coming alive to a sensuousness that often resists articulation or conceptualization. I also seek a land flowing with milk and honey and romantic glimpses of sunset and sacred laziness and meaningful work and calloused skin rubbing against calloused skin in ritualistic circles of co-becoming and singing plants and sighing winds in an intense smallness, the kind that relieves you of that gnawing pressure to become someone and simultaneously deepens one's appreciation of belonging. These are the words of Bio Akomolafe. You can connect with Bio and sign up on his mailing list to get updates about his upcoming engagements. Enroll in his life-changing course, We Will Dance with Mountains. Read his recent works and learn more at bioacomolafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. Welcome back, Bio. Glad to be back, Rochelle. Bio, what is it about the feminine that makes it, these are your words, makes it unthinkable to think of the world or the self in the very anthropocentric ways we are used to? Okay, Um, so there's a saying that we, that I borrowed from the elders um, the unnameable elders of my world, they say, in times of crisis, we slow down. But this this is how they say that. Brothers, sisters, the times are urgent. Let us slow down. And I remember sharing that with some people. Um, first time I shared it was in during a speech in South Africa. And when I shared it, um, many of many people came to me and said, but how do you slow down? How do you do things that you do normally in a slow way? Like, wouldn't you be less effective? And I remember <laughs> telling them in return that uh, slowing down is not a function of speed. 
it's a function of awareness it's a function of noticing um, the, the things that have been previously occluded by particular well-entrenched ways of seeing I think the feminine and I don't say I don't refer to the feminine as opposed to the the masculine like the binary twain have been divided at birth or something um, I, I refer to it as a different notion of the world one that evokes a sense of emergence one that doesn't lean on um, a, a, an idea of causality that is linear a plus B equals C isn't exactly the way the world works the world is much more mischievous it, mis it misbehaves it's promiscuous it doesn't abide faithful to any one of our ideologies or creeds it's like a teenager if you will I could dance into ideas of, in quantum physics and um, experiments that show that the world is you know like I've said earlier an ongoing becoming and I think this is this is at the heart of the feminine that this this idea of emergence of of soft becomings of things that are not quite things um, there was this there's this French philosopher and I think in referring to him I might make clear or distinct my understanding of the feminine um, his name René Descartes and he would he came up with the phrase cogito ego sum um, I think therefore I am and he helped propagate the notion that the world is actually composed of things already determined already with their uh, properties prior to observation but what we're learning to see is that the world isn't composed of things at all it's composed of relationships and if the world is composed of relationships then the world is even much more magical than we think it is. Um, I like to think of magic as the dissolution of distance. It's what happens when things continually touch and grate upon each other. So yes, this, this is my understanding of the feminine. The world is still in the making. And yeah, I think I'll stop there. <laughs> it's beautiful, Bio. You... It, along those same lines, you say that um, you ask the question, what if our not knowing is our greatest asset yet? Could it be that even our smallest actions count in ways our system change dynamics are blind to? What if we could treat the unknown, the unthinkable beyond data as a resource instead of an inconvenience? And, you know, this, this certainly feels like at the heart of the feminine that you're speaking to. Um, but it's also frightening, uh, this unknown and not knowing. And it's very, you know, counterintuitive. Can you speak to, um, to this quality of not knowing? Why is it beneficial and how do we make that shift? So we're moving from a conception of the world as, as impoverished, as containing only a sliver of agency that is located in some nether regions, maybe in some local government or you know isolated, precious resource. And that's the that's the, I dare say, or I hesitate to say, the old scientific narrative um, that presumes that the world is this curious mix of the oblivious and the obvious 
So we have this world of mute deterministic laws and things bumping into each other. And then miraculously, we emerged and we're conscious. And so to, to contemplate the unknown within this paradigm of thought is to bump into a world that is dead and is mute and is inert. However, from a new materialist perspective, and there is this trend, um, I, I would call it a trend for the listeners, uh, interdisciplinary trend that is engaging um, people to rethink their disciplines and their disciplinary boundaries as well, and how they study what they study. And this paradigm or this shift or this new materialist turn is an invitation, like I've said over and over again, to reconsider the world as alive instead of dead. And if the world is alive, then we can no longer situate ourselves at the center of it. We're not the conscious center or one, you know, one Lord or one ring. Sorry, I'm referring to a Lord of the Rings trope. The one ring that rules them all. We're not at the center of things here. Things fall apart, like Chino Achebe would say. And so what this means for our concept of not knowing is that not knowing is not a form of, is not a dead end, is not a black hole into which um, nothing can, um, and nothing falls or everything falls and nothing can be regained. Not knowing, uh, it refers to other ways of knowing the world that we are excluding because of the way we perform what it is to be human today. There are tribes across the world that see or understand everyday phenomena, you know, in radically different ways than we do. Like I know of a, a, a tribe in Africa that do not understand distance the ways that we do. Or, you know, to, to see things far away, at, to see things far away, for instance, um, we would think of them as, we would think of things as little or you know, I mean, smallness is one way we would think of things being far away. But they, I can't remember the name of this tribe um, exactly, but this particular tribe do not understand distance in the ways that we do. I think my point is just to say this, that not knowing is not a dead end. It's not a black zone. It's not an empty region. It's a place that is dotted with ancestral eyes with whispering voices, with things that go bump at night. That is to evoke the, the, or to paint a picture of a world that is constantly experimenting with itself. So back to what I said about slowing down. The invitation to slow down is, again, an invitation to consider other ways of knowing that we are excluding from mattering. And to do that, we have to meet ourselves in uncomfortable ways. We have to probably engage in psychedelic work or sonic driving, as it's called in some um, parts of the world, um, or some kind of ritual that brings us to the edge of ourselves. And that's why Africans conduct rituals before we move from one stage to another. We know that death is always an aspect of life. We know that not knowing is always an intrinsic part of knowing. Bio, this uh, is very much related to what you're just speaking to, but you, you say to find 
brighter light. We must head for the gloomiest caves to understand ourselves. We must turn to the strange to find the way out of our troubles. We must embrace them with fonder reverence and to thrive, to live. We must come to the thinnest places where life and death aren't opposites, but bedfellows. Can you speak to this? One of the shamans that I met actually inspired me to write that. Um, I asked him a question about um, becoming better, healing. That was actually my doctoral research, to understand indigenous perspectives around recovery and healing, um, and to ask new questions about psychopathology and um, wellness. And I remember him saying, you will never find your way until you get lost. And he followed that up with saying, all this was in Yoruba. This was translated for me by the person that accompanied me. And he followed that up by saying that you have to head to where you've chased away the spirits and where you've chased them. They hide behind trees right now. They hide in the forest, in the bush, in the dark. But your roads and your busy cars and your skyscrapers have chased them away. And so you have to head to the dark. And I, 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 that was probably one of my, the highlights of my entire research work, to hear an invitation to the dark or to see the dark. And this is much more important, to see the dark as not as an other of the light, not as the evil twin, if you will, um, but a necessary part of of light, of light's becoming. Maybe I, I could say promiscuously that light is darkness made keener, or, or darkness is light made keener. And there is some um, physical, quantum physical correlation for that saying as well. So what, your question again was around what? I, I think I segued into somewhere deep. You did know it. No, it's beautiful. In fact, it reminds me of uh, Wendell Berry's quote, actually. He says, it may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work. And when we no longer know which way to to go, we have begun our real journey. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's just, and this is what gives me tingles. This is what makes, electrifies my skin anytime Mm -hmm. I contact. It's that we are, we are literally not alone. It's it's the narrative of our modern lives to to insist that we are alone. We are, we have to engage ourselves in all manners of activities just to gain some social mobility. We have to be ambitious. We have to move from here to there, and it's because we're units. We think of, of ourselves as units as units against this dense, crazy, fearful world out there. But immediately we consider that we are populated, we are possessed, if you will. We are inhabited. (laughs) We are inhabited. And I don't mean any of this poetically or metaphorically. I'm not trying to be lyrical. I mean it from, I, I mean it in a stern, in a stern, simple, matter of fact way. To say mm-hmm. that we are populated, we are an ecosystem of becoming. Just our bodies alone, filled with billions and billions of cells of, of foreign bacteria. And I don't mean that bacteria are on us. I mean we are those 
billions of bacteria in mycelial becomings, if you will. And to, to recognize that we are, it's impossible for us to be alone, that the soul is not something that is trapped within the flesh. The soul is something strange and we haven't met her yet. The soul is still, you know, still in the making. I think that's the most exciting thing for me. And I think it touches upon our deepest notions of health. That health no longer can be conceived as, or wellness can no longer be conceived as something that I have to do to myself. Or morality can no longer be conceived as brownie points that I have to add to my existential palette. So that when I get to my end, I could present it to some chief deity. It's more, it's now about the relationship I have with you, that I have with my plant, that I have with the ground. Everything becomes, everything becomes active. Everything becomes potentially, you know, vibrant and wonderful. And I, I fit, words fail me at this point. Which is a horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, no, it's it, but it is time to take a short break, Bio. And be, before we go, allow me to share another moving quote by Bio Akomolafe as he describes the invitation to participate in his online online course. We will dance with mountains. Bio says this is to invite you to the borderlands, into the waters at the edge of the preposterous. My quest is not to make the unknown known, but to query our fear of it and. More prominently, share stories how the supposedly known is just as much a transient province of mystery. We are subjects of the dark, woven in her many pulsating wombs, creatures of shadow and folly. We are undone, and yet the soft symphonies of beauty and wonder innervate this apparently gloomy prognosis of human experience. Let's fall right in the middle of things with conversations about new worlds beckoning. So be sure to sign up on Bio's mailing list at bioacomolave.net, where Bio will be able to share his writings, speeches, and adventures with you, because in Bio's own words, between us, in the potent facundity of non-human human presences, new worlds lie in wait. Bio is writing his second and third book, as And We Shall Dance with the Mountains, and a novel, The Boy Who Stayed Outside. And we will be right back with Bio Acomolave. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, 
vivid and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Rochelle is a clinician of mind-body medicine, lifestyle change, and self-healing. She is a life mentor, author, and publisher of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine. You can reach Rochelle at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now back to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Once it was not only fashionable to think of the human as a paragon of beauty, the height of the world's intelligibility and center of all things, it was necessary. We sat atop an oblivious swirl of dead and mute matter. The world was put there to serve our transcendent notions of escape and arrival. Nature was the thing that we visited when we went outside our homes. We were apart, but not anymore. Today, we are catching stunning glimpses of our ravishing entanglement with the world. It is one thing to say that we are located in the world, quite another to assert that we are what the world is doing, much like a wave is what the ocean is doing. I invite you to a pilgrimage of touch to meet the monsters we banished when we declared our dominance to know the wisdom and vitality of stone, to come to the intersection points, the space of the hyphen, where our own boundaries are porous and where grief, despair, yearning, goodness, hope, intelligence, confusion, and agency have been, have to be reimagined. This is an invitation to a retreat of wonder whereby we might happen upon a keener home. These are the words from my guest today, Bio Akomolafe. As the host of the course, We Will Dance with Mountains, Bio hopes to inspire expeditions to multi-species frontiers where we meet the universe halfway. He hopes to continue the composting of the human ignited by indigenous values and open up other places of power, inviting a politics of surprise as an ethical response to the challenge of polyvocal world. If you'd like to be a part of the next iteration of We Will Dance with Mountains, be one of the first to know when the course resumes by signing up at www.course.bioacomolafe.net. You can connect with Bio and sign up on his mailing list to get updates about his upcoming engagements and read his recent works and learn more at bioacomolafe.net and emergencenetwork.org. Welcome back, Bio. Your words in the quote that I just shared as we came back from break are 
they're just so beautiful and profound. And they, um, as I was reading it and preparing for our show, it just they brought me to tears. Can you speak to your invitation to us all to this pilgrimage of touch, as well as a retreat of wonder, whereby we might happen upon a keener home, as you say? Hmm. Thank you, Rochelle. Um, I think, you know, you, you started off this whole interview by referring to our times as the age of Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's 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 not just the orangeness of Trump that is, and I mean no disrespect to the president elect of the United <laughs> States, but it's not just it's not just his orangeness or his bombastic ways of communicating. It's it's the fact he that he feels like a metaphor, a living figure, or a figuration for division, and and, and we don't need to even know that. He is a champion for walls and huge, beautiful walls between between people, between um, borders and stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of pain. I, I, I frequent the United States, um, do a lot of teaching there, have a lot of friends there, and I get people writing me and talking about the pain they feel, the pain they cannot uh, articulate the, that feeling of being cut off, so to speak, from what matters. Uh, and I feel that probably the most, the most important work that we can begin to do today is to turn to each other in community, in a spirit of gift, in, in slow spaces. You know, there used to be this um, practice of claiming sanctuary. Um, when the church in the Middle Ages, when the church was still the legal juris, um, jurisprudent um, authority, people would people who were criminals could run to it and claim sanctuary, and they could be saved from anyone that was threatening them or trying to take their life. Um, I feel that maybe we need to reinvent. Or reclaim that practice of claiming sanctuary. We need places where we can touch each other again, and no new intelligences that allow us to um, find ways to answer the pressing questions of our times. And these questions, I would submit, are some of them are: What does it mean to be human? What do I do with myself? Is this all there is? I mean, these are the questions that people confront me with. Um, is this all there is? Is this all there is to life? Is, I mean, if I walk away from my, from my work, how do I live? Or, I mean, where is love? Where is enchantment? Who would embrace me? And stuff like that. And I feel these are questions that are not, that are not going to be answered by any form of political system that our current paradigm can conjure. There is no, there is no magic to it, and so we need, we need spaces where we can retreat, retreat into each other, into the arcana, the, you know, the the very matrix of the universe. And I, and I'm not saying that there is that is some esoteric, you know, mysterious womb that we need to access. 
I'm saying that when we stare at each other, when we come out in the morning and we yawn and we stand on our lawns or we stand on our footsteps or, uh, or I mean, uh, we stand on our lawns or in front of our buildings, we are conversing with the very power of the universe where we converse with the mysterious in the ordinary and maybe by turning to each other maybe by touching each other maybe by asking each other painful questions maybe by making space for grief for tears maybe by talking to our children and listening to them more than we instruct them maybe by doing these things we can find new ways of approaching the problems that we face today Einstein said it, and I think I'll just end this that question with that. Uh, that we, we will not be able to, I'm paraphrasing him, obviously, we will not be able to address the problems that we have today with the same kind of thinking that created them. And so different kinds of thinking, maybe the thinking that is impossible, we need to be able to reach onto the impossible. And the first strains of the impossible are not going to be held by some new manifesto or some new politician or a new party. It will be held and it will be tattooed on our very skins in the ordinary things that we do every day. Only naturally. It's beautiful. Mayo, in your, your beautiful irreverent list of revolutions for 2017, you it's encourage us. I did. <laughs> it's wonderful. You encourage us to, of course, treat the resolutions as in- invitations, not laws or declarations. And more importantly, of course, you suggest that we come up with our own versions, but two in particular that really resonate with what you were just saying. You say, write love notes to cobblestones, to doorknobs, to window panes, to asphalt and potholes that make up your way. And another one you say, get lost more often, generously lost, and don't be so quick to whip out your handsets to find your way back. Walk with reverence as the unknown swirls around you and greet you in her stern but seductive manners. And can you speak to to that a little bit more? This is all in the the philosophy of getting lost and I, I'm sorry I said the philosophy it's it's not a new thing right it's not something that I, I invented but um, but this is really an invitation to hack the parameters of our scene and yeah so I would maybe respond to that by saying scene is political um, most of our ideas about scene just takes it for granted we, we assume that when we look up upon the world, we are basically mirroring, you know, the world that is outside. Um, it's either you see or you don't see. It's an absolute threshold thing. There's nothing more to it. But that's far from the case. We we perform the world. Vision is vision is political. Visuality is socio-political, and so we are. Cut, contained by a regime of visuality. We are we are conditioned by particular ways of seeing the world. And until we come to those places, until we come to our own blind spots, we will continue to perpetuate the very things that we seek to run away from. And so by speaking to cobblestones, I think we're hacking we're hacking the very core of our ways of seeing. We're hacking 
and we're reaching out for the incomprehensible. We're doing the unthinkable. We're doing the weird. I remember teaching at Simon Fraser University and starting the class by telling uh, the students to go do something weird. Just, <laughs> just do something weird. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but do something that you are most uncomfortable doing. And people went down on the street. Some people, uh, I remember a guy wore, went into a shop, got a Darth Vader mask, and danced in the middle of the street. Um, <laughs> someone went to the, the elevator and went up and down, up and down, up and down, without getting off. Someone went to a corner, to a wall, and just stared at the wall. And some security people came <laughs> and wanted to take them away. <laughs> but they came back telling me that, you know, just looking at that wall, I noticed things that I never knew before about that wall and just the way corners converge. And, you know, this is the miracle of the ordinary, the miracle of sight. Sight is as much a betrayal of what is possible as it is, you know, uh, a hiding of what is obvious. It, it's not merely an exposure to the world that is outside. We're actively creating the world. And so this is an ethics that runs on the promise that we can actually co-create a world that is different. But first, we have to talk about how we see, how we think, how we've been conditioned or trained to think, to ask questions, to story our lives, to story our experiences. And so talking with cobblestones, damn yes. I mean, I would... I, I talk to cows and I teach my daughter who is three years old to greet the cow. We live in India, so there are cows are plenty. So we, I teach Alethea, that's my daughter's name, to, uh, to talk to cows, to, to greet the morning as, it is, as if it were a person and not just a thing. It's so beautiful, Bio. My guest today has been Bio Akomolafe. You can connect with Bio and sign up on his mailing list to get updates about his upcoming engagements. Enroll in his life-changing course, We Will Dance with Mountains. Read his recent works and learn more at www.bioakomolafe.net and at emergencenetwork.org. Bio, it has been such a gift to have you with us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio today for inviting us to new terrain and new spaces and for helping us to reimagine a future for humanity and all of life on our beautiful planet, for encouraging and supporting us on this sometimes frightening and arduous journey and for urging us and guiding us to notice the beauty and mystery of ourselves and the world and this collective unfolding. It has been so inspiring to talk to you today, and I feel so grateful to get to continue our conversation with you next week. And so thank you so much, Bio. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you, sister. Thank you for, (laughs) thank you to everyone making this happen. Wonderful. Yes. And it's been my pleasure. It, And you will definitely want to tune in next week for Bio's second episode on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, as we will be exploring the questions, will a radically different world that works for everyone ever happen? Will we ever find lasting wellness and thrive in community as it seems we are meant to? And what if the way we respond to crises is part of the crisis? In this interview, our conversation will grapple with the promise of social change, the repetitive cycle 
of sameness that stifles novelty and keeps us perpetuating familiar paradigms and patterns of behavior. Bio shares about practices across the world that are opening up new places of power, inviting us to rekindle our alliances with place with people and with promise. He speaks about the Emergence Network, where most of his work is currently housed, and what he is hoping to do and already doing at this moment to invite a politics of surprise, a post-activism that listens to grief, to bodily becomings, as well as the non-human voices. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you all on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to a new way of being, to greater degrees of self-compassion and wellness, and your experience of your own infinite potential with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join host Rochelle next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to turn courageously towards your own unique experience of health and wellness here on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, you too can experience revolutionary wellness.